Hi there. Thanks for joining me today. I'm speaking with a busy mother of three young men, Jackie Folks. Her middle son, Ethan, has autism, and she's going to share her family story along with some resources that she's been working on for the autism community. I also wanted to let you know that this week will mark the one-year anniversary for the My Autism Tribe podcast. It seems like yesterday that I started it, but it's been a whirlwind, and here I am. One year later, still breathing. High five. If you haven't had a chance to rate or review the My Autism Tribe podcast, it would be absolutely so cool if you did. It helps people find our podcast, especially on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening, and as always, thanks for going on this crazy journey with me. You're the best. Welcome to My Autism Tribe, an organization of advocates that are educating, supporting, and empowering those in our communities. We are one voice made stronger. I'm your host, Susan Scott. Jackie Folk's son was diagnosed in 2003, a time when there were little resources out there for parents. I mean, think about all the resources that we have now, including this podcast. She learned almost everything from books, but there was also something that she felt that was missing, and I'm excited for her to share what that was. Please welcome Jackie Folks. Hey, Jackie, thanks for joining us. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Uh, we were talking a little bit offline and uh, just dealing with some technical issues, and I yes. hear that you have snow and ice there. So, yes, uh, in in Kansas of all places. So we're yes. we're sitting fine in Kentucky, but. Um, Anyway, I'm just really excited. You reached out a little bit ago before the holidays, and I've been following you a little bit um, about your adventures with Big E, but I'm really excited for the audience to hear a little bit about your old's journey. Why don't you start off by telling everyone a little bit about your family life and your amazing sons? Oh, yeah, sure. So I am the only girl in my home. I have um, three sons. Um, and then I have my husband, Michael, we've been, um, married for 20 years and, uh, my oldest goes to college in Colorado. My youngest is just about to turn 17. And then my now 19 year old Ethan is my kiddo who's diagnosed with autism. Okay. Awesome. So yeah, you've got a lot of testosterone in your in your home yeah. oh, for sure. But yeah. um I you know what, there I'm a boy mom myself and I yeah. always knew I wanted to be a boy mom. I don't think there's anything quite better than just having a little boy and it's yeah. just so exciting. Um so your your son Ethan who is 19 Yes, he's 19 now. Okay, and he was diagnosed, if I'm not mistaken, back in 2003. That's correct, yeah. So you've been on this journey for a while. Yeah, we've been on this ride for quite a while. We've seen it go from, you know, kind of in the shadows and not a lot of information, certainly not a lot of advocacy or networking, to what it is now, which the online platform for autism is is an amazing resource now for parents, especially those who um, find themselves in the situation of being newly diagnosed. Mm-hmm. So it has changed so much over the years. Oh, I know. I can't imagine 
receiving a diagnosis at this time, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Um, you know, there's just so many resources. I was talking to someone the other day about just the number of podcasts that have grown just within the last year. You know, we, yeah. we're going to be celebrating our one year anniversary for the podcast this week. And, um, and since I started, just the number of podcasts that are coming out. So it's absolutely amazing the the amount of awareness and advocacy that we have now and it's just only going to continue to grow so it's really well congratulations on your one year that's exciting thank you yeah it doesn't seem like one year but um but it is exciting you're right um so flashback to 2003 what were some of the signs that you were seeing that Ethan was having, you already had a little boy um, at home that you were able to, you know, kind of not compare. I don't want to say that because we never like to compare, you know, others, but maybe he wasn't hitting some of the milestones as your older son. Yeah. But comparing is exactly what you do, right? As a parent, because that's what you have. If you have an older, um, child, then that's what you have. And you base the mile markers on, well, you know, Brett was doing this. Why isn't Ethan doing this? And mm-hmm. with Ethan, it was, I had never heard the word autism. I truly had never heard the word except in a couple of movies. Um, but the preschool was pretty set that that might be what was going on with Ethan. He had gained like he had acquired language and then lost language Mm -hmm. he was not crawling properly we could not potty train him and hit so he couldn't communicate with us and so then he'd have um extreme tantrums where there was a lot of self-harm involved and i had having a child already i had never seen anything like that i didn't know what was going on with him or how to help him um so it was suggested to us to take him to a developmental pediatrician at our local children's hospital in Kansas City. And that was when we first started really hearing the word autism thrown around. And when that doctor was explaining to us, do you see what he's doing? You know, that's autism. Do you see this? That's autism. Mm. And it would be little things like you couldn't approach him. If he was in one corner and the doctor would approach him, he would go to the next corner. It was like they were playing a uh, orchestrated game of checkers, the way they were moving their bodies. And wow. it was very apparent to the doctor, but very new. I was in shock. I, I just, I did not know what to do or where to go or how to start to help him. Mm-hmm. Sure. So when he received the diagnosis, that was from the developmental pediatrician who, who gave the final yeah. diagnosis. And then yeah. what was that course? What did they mention? Because I know at the time, ABA therapy or anything like that, those therapies have evolved so much. And yeah. so what was what was kind of the, the course that they sent you on? You know, what, once they um, realized he had autism, it was well, let's go rule these things out. So we went and did Fragile X testing. It was negative. Mm -hmm. And it was more of a course of ruling out anything else. And then, okay, here's your paperwork. You're on your way. And keep in mind how many years ago it was. It was 2003. Mm -hmm. So I left with 
with literally nothing. Um, and I, I just remember during that first week, I decided that my teacher was going to be the library. And so I just went to the library and got almost every book I could about autism. ABA was extremely controversial back then. Sure. Um, cause it, they likened it to dog training and they called it cruelty. Um, so finding an ABA therapist back then even was hard cause people just didn't go into that profession. Mm-hmm. Um, but we did, we found an ABA therapist. We started, um, two times a week, weekly speech therapy right away. And it still took probably five years for him to really get comfortable. His speech increased, but he wasn't really communicating. He had some skills, but he wasn't expressing it. And I started reading um, Temple Grandin books. And yeah, she just threw her words on page she became my biggest teacher and I just started kind of applying the techniques from her, the techniques from her mom, just in my own home. And then we would apply them with the therapist and we just kind of grew from there, but it was extremely lonely. Um, there was nobody else that I knew of in my town and I was doing, um, interviews with our local newspaper, just trying to find somebody to talk to. And wow. that, that took about two and a half years before one mom reached out to me. And I'm still in contact with her today. Thank goodness for her. Um, wow. But it was, it was lonely and um, extremely difficult to do, the, to do right by him, you know? Sure. Yeah. Gosh. For, so you really were looking for a community and... I can't, I can't imagine because I felt so lonely and I'm, I'm fairly new on this journey. You know, my family, my son is, is six years old. So, you know, for four years, but, um, I, that's a, it's a really dark and and lonely place for sure. Um, just starting off because you feel like you've been hit by a truck and then, you know, you're just trying to find somebody there for support. And mm-hmm. oh my goodness. So you spent so much time at the library and you were just reading. And um, I guess over the course of time, you started and probably with conversations of the speech therapist and maybe the the BCBA at the time, there were different things you were rolling over into your home. Did they come to your home to provide the therapy or did you go someplace else? We did both. Um, We went on campus at Kansas University twice a week. We went to uh, the Children's Learning Center in Kansas City once a week. And then we had a play therapist come into our home once a week as well. Um, And we would go through lulls. Sometimes um, we would have a period of like maybe a month or two where therapy went down just a little bit because literally everything was out of pocket back then and nothing was covered. Um, So the best thing that I did for myself was when Ethan was in therapy, I was in therapy too. And he might've been learning what the therapist was trying to implement, but I was learning her methods of implementation so that I could come home and continue to be his teacher and his therapist and his mom. Sure. 
That's that's amazing. I think a lot of people miss miss that. The people that aren't involved, who who maybe do not have a child on the spectrum, they they're not aware at just how much learning the parents do at the same time the child is doing as well. It's not like you just send your child to therapy and they walk back out an hour later or sometimes eight hours later and the work is done. It's a lot, so much of that. I can't tell you how many times I've done ABA therapy trials just sitting at the, at the dining room table, you know, with, with eating or bath time or, putting clothes on, <laughs> you know, it just, yes. it's everywhere. It is. And it has to be mm-hmm. because it can't stop because to keep our kids out of regression is constant stimulation. So that means just because the therapist door shuts that day, your therapy is not over. You have yeah. to do it 24 seven. Yeah, absolutely. And so was all of your, you know, you have your husband and then your son, and then eventually you had your third son as well. So is everyone kind of on the same page as far as implementing those strategies at home? Or how was your husband in this process and um, enrolling that over? Yeah, I mean, it, it, for me, it, it was hard with my husband because he worked um, overnights and slept during the day. Mm. And so he didn't quite understand the procedures at first. And that was really difficult because the concept of uh, parenting one child differently than the other two was not something that was a full buy-in from the beginning. But it didn't take long for us to all get on the same page. And um, even our other two sons would learn the methods to communicate and interact with their brother And that was just kind of how our lives had to be. And I remember at one point in time, we got kind of in trouble for that with one of the therapists because they said, um, you're making your children parents. And we were like, no, no, Mm -hmm. (laughs) we're not. This is how we have to survive. And if they want to interact with their brother, then, you know, sadly, it can't just be a normal four- and three-year-old interaction because our older two are only a year apart. Um, And so that, I think, was the hardest part was getting the community around us to understand it, that there was a purpose for our family being a little bit different Mm -hmm. and kind of bypassing that judgment. We were just trying to survive and thrive, you know. Sure. And still to this day, even neurotypical families, we all have different ways of communicating within the walls of our home. You know, we all have very different family lives. And what works for one person doesn't mean that it's going to work for another. And so you were not only being educated, but you were also trying to educate the, your community and it sounds like you were the only one like the sole purpose the sole person out there really just kind of like the trailblazer paving the way for others you know it really was um Ethan was one of the first kids in our whole uh, school district um outwardly diagnosed with autism we had no autism team they had no plans or special trainings we were able to start that um But even the school kind of learned along with us in those earlier four or five years, we would just get together and kind of set a plan for him. I mean, you know, they're IEPs, but um, 
they didn't they weren't familiar with autism and mm-hmm. so it's hard to be a trailblazer oh yeah <laughs> but uh, yeah because you're on the good side one day and the bad side the other day I, I was told um years um after Ethan got into like middle school I was told by one of the teachers that they used to say get ready Ethan's IEPs tomorrow Jackie knows what she's talking about <laughs> you have to you yeah. absolutely have to yeah yeah well good for you my goodness that's yeah. amazing so along your journey there, I know that we all kind of pick up things that work for our kiddos, things that work for our family. Um, and one of the things that, you know, I've talked about before on the podcast too, because I'm kind of getting ready to, to get into the throes of it, is actually finding not only books for the parents, but for kiddos as well. Yeah. Um, autism-friendly books for those on the spectrum, those off the spectrum that we can all kind of learn from. And so along your journey, you realized very early on that there weren't a lot of autism friendly books for kiddos on the spectrum. And so could you share about what you were thinking about and what and what you've done with that? Because I think it's super, super cool. Yeah, sure. So I remember leaving a therapy one day and a therapist telling us, well, you just need to write social stories. Mm-hmm. And and I was like, that's great. What is a social story? Yeah. You know, where, where's the software for that? Where's the blueprint for that? Um, because, again, that didn't exist back then. You can buy the software for it now. Mm-hmm. Um so we used what was called PECS for communication a mm-hmm. lot with Ethan, and we had storyboards all over our home. You couldn't go into a room without a sequenced storyboard. And then we would take those storyboards and we would just on hand on notebook paper write him social stories to learn how to brush his teeth, how to take a bath, how to do all these different things that they're going to need to know the rest of their lives above tying a shoe and things like that. Yeah. So um, throughout the years, I've, I've saved all those just in my little Ethan file. And um, about a year ago, I decided to um, go to a publisher and have the hygiene books put together and illustrated. And now we have our first in what we hope to be a series of children's books um, set as social stories with pecs inside of them to help children with hygiene and it's called adventures with biggie help with hygiene wow that's so cool so Thank you. explain so now is this this sounds like something that a parent you know could could definitely implement at at home but what's really cool it sounds really educational in the way that it could also be implemented with like different therapy providers or in schools even um is that is that one of your goals as well or is this primarily like driven towards parents um absolutely our goal is to get it out in every way we can uh we're in the offices of several ABA therapists now um we're in the works of getting in a children's hospital because um, that's where we, that's where our journey started was in a children's hospital. Mm-hmm. So we're in the process of getting in gift shops, but yes, definitely in the home. It's a, it's a teaching tool. And along with that teaching tool, my thought was 
if they have this lovable character who has struggled just like them and they can see from start to finish that Biggie can do it, then I can do it too. And we put in that book, like I said, the sequencing. So it's not just words. Say you have a nonverbal child. You've got the um, sequencing of the pecs that are in there. And you also have um, the facial expressions that can show the emotions to where you can say, you know, he's brushing his teeth in this picture, but how do you think he feels by the look on his face? And then for our echoalic kids, because Ethan was extremely echoalic, I started every story and ended every story with the same exact words so that maybe it just gets to be memory retention. And wow. then, of course, they all end with a celebration because you want to celebrate every single thing they do right. That's awesome. So how do you start and end the book? What are those words? So with every single um, story, they um, introduce, Ethan introduces himself to the reader. Um, and he says, you know, my name is Biggie. Come along on a journey with me. Today we will be brushing teeth, taking a bath, getting dressed. And then at the end, um, they end with, um, I did it. You can do it too. You know, you can celebrate with Biggie. And so it just kind of goes on this whole journey of celebration. And mm-hmm. a lot of people didn't understand that because there's five little stories within the one book. They seem, they were like, oh, well, it's not fluid. It's not meant to be read cover to cover. It's meant to be like, okay, it's bath time. Let's go to this page and let's read this story. But you get five in one. And that's where the hygiene comes in. So it's overall hygiene. That's awesome. And it's also probably good for the attention span. (laughs) Like if you, you know, okay, let's just focus on brushing teeth. You know, let's focus on that for a week or or two weeks or whatever. Um, That's awesome. And so uh, as far as the additional books in the series, you know, you started off with hygiene. And then what are some of the other books that you've thought about rolling out? So I've written, um, I actually have written 11. We just haven't taken them to illustration yet. But I have um, one that deals with doctor's appointments. Um, ride the bus, first day of school, and then we just have a fun dinosaur adventure one because dinosaurs are life in my house. They <laughs> are in ours too, let me tell yes. you. Yes. yes. They are the world. So, yeah, just I have so many different ones, and I'm I'm ready and eager to get an actual series flowing, but we've got to get, you know, hype about the first one out first and get knowledge about it before we continue on. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is so true. It's um, my autism tribe where, you know, we have a book series as well. And it's 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 tough because, um, you know, most of us are funding these projects ourselves, you know, too. Mm -hmm. And so as far as the illustrations and things like that, you know, that takes funding. But the the thing that I think is so cool with with this is is that you can keep you can keep learning. I mean, these books, it's not like once you're finished with with one of these books, you can put it on a shelf and 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 you're done with it. You can keep reintroducing these books and yeah. and these stories. And I honestly believe in my heart of hearts, a lot of people say 
you know, oh, well, your child was autistic and they had ABA therapy. Honestly, I believe that every single child could benefit from these types of behavior therapies. And there's so much that my son Alex has learned and I feel like have prepared him even before he went to kindergarten just mm-hmm. because of several behavior therapies that, that he had and um, and felt like it prepared him for that. So even mm-hmm. if your child isn't necessarily on the spectrum or not, a lot of these these books and these messages can work for them as well. Yes, I couldn't agree with you more. We've, we've actually said that often that um, – once we learned the methods for ABA and just these different um, structured learnings that you had to implement, we just naturally did them with our younger son. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he ended up being a peer student ahead of kids his age. And so there's there's a lot of benefits to it um, all the way around for your whole family. That's awesome. And so your book also was, let's see, you said it was the top book of 2019 by Autism Live? Yes, in the preschool section. And they um, they also featured us in their uh, 2019 Holiday and Gift Guide. So we were very excited about that. That's so cool. And so for the for the 2020 year, can people find? I, I'm going to put all of this in the show notes as well. But there's the Facebook page, Adventures with Big E, like as an Ethan, and um, and then you also have a Facebook page that, if I'm not mistaken, is being kind of merged over with Adventures with Big E. It's Awesome Talk. Yeah, that's correct. We learned along the way that having two venues was getting a little confusing. And really, I would have nothing awesome to talk about without my Adventures with Biggie. Yeah. So we've just merged it all together to the Adventures with Biggie. And we just happened to highlight the book on there from time to time. Okay. Okay, cool. And where can people buy this book or find the book? Yeah, so right now, um, our main avenue is online. Um, You can get it at Mm mascotbooks.com. You can get it on uh, Amazon.com and barnesandnoble.com. And you can also get it through those venues in electronic form for uh, Nook and for Kindle. Awesome. Very, very cool. So everyone check that out as well. And I think one thing that's really cool is that you mentioned before a lot of parents and and even educators don't know exactly how to access or write the social stories. So this is something that's really cool. It's basically you've you've done the job for them. You know, at least you've started the social story, and then they can build. Um, you, they can build on that. You know, from there. So, mm-hmm. is there anything else that you'd like to? I guess share with the autism community you've been such an amazing critical piece in in starting the autism awareness and advocacy in your community if i know there are a lot of people that are listening that are trying to do the same in their community because let's face it some communities aren't as well advanced as others and if is there anything that you'd like to share with them as far as like even if it's just support inspiration what would you like to say to them 
Well, definitely network. There's somebody out there. You know, look at the numbers. There's somebody out there. And years ago, like I, I mentioned, um, I just started going to my local newspaper and putting my story out to try to have other moms contact me and know, hey, I'm looking for somebody. So if you are, I'm right here. And like I mentioned earlier, one mom reached out to me about two years in. And then about six months after that, another mom reached out to me. Their names are Rebecca and Stacy. And together, the three of us um, created in our small town um, a nonprofit that we call Eudora ACES. And it stands for um, Autism Community Education and Support. And what we have done every year is we have held an autism awareness walk in the month of April mm -hmm. and we take all of the money from that every penny and we go back to the special ed classrooms at our school and we say what do you need and then we buy it for them wow. and the desire to do that came from in my early years when there was nothing like that and I would learn about a resource that might help them sit still in circle time you know we would buy it and then we would bring it to the school. And I was like, you know, no parent should have to yeah. buy their kids, you know, school supplies that are just needed like that. So there's always something you can do. Always a little something, even if it's just offering a coffee break or something like that. But if you think bigger, you can do it. Yeah, that's such amazing advice. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, and it's such a pleasure to know you. Um, oh, might you. I add, like you just, people like yourself um, are what provide inspiration for a lot of us. And you keep keep us going. And, you know, we're learning from you. And oh I think that, yeah, it's and it's just one of those things like where you just kind of keep, keep giving. Like, you know, you get it and so then you share it. And um, so thank you for everything that you've done to help pave the way for us people that are just getting started. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much. That was so kind. <laughs> You're welcome. And I just wish nothing but the best for your family. And um, I'm going to tag you and, and all of the social stuff. So um, everyone, just reach out to Jackie. She's the wealth of information, I know for sure. And, um, and check out her book. But thank you again, Jackie, for sharing your time with us and for being yeah. such an inspiration. Well, thank you so much for having me. I love hearing inspirational stories from those in the autism community. You know, we're a group of fighters, and I mean that in the best way possible. We're a bunch of mama and papa bears and fearless advocates, both on and off the spectrum, that are clawing our way for better awareness and inclusion in our communities. It's so awesome. Thanks for being a part of my autism tribe, and I'll see you next week.